Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everybody once again and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today is my hombre, Mr. Joe Bray. So many rhyming words with your name, Joe. It's very, very <laughs> pleasing for podcast intros. But how are you, Joe? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, I, I wish I knew we were doing rhyming. I'd have come, come with a couple myself. But uh, yeah, um, another another game where Erlen Haaland steals the headlines and it's getting quite difficult to work out how to say mm-hmm. he's a very good football player. Yeah, no, I think, I think we said that after about week maybe three. Yeah. We've got to the point where I think I was on the side and I went on some really really whimsical kind of monologue using all sorts of flurry language because it was already running out of the normal kind of boring cliches and at this point god knows what we're going to say but we're going to try and say it because we'll have a go we, we certainly will that's what we get paid for and you know and of course we love to talk about it anyway because who doesn't love watching Erlen Haaland do the absolute business which he did once again on Wednesday night Manchester City back into Champions League action and they picked up where they left off on Sunday with another resounding victory, 5-0 over FC Copenhagen. Um, Haaland got the first two, once again, seven minutes this time it took him to score, just getting rid of, I think it was quite telling Joe how the, um, <laughs> the, the stadium announcer on just, what is it, game 11 um, or maybe game 12 if you count the Community Shield, it can't be more than five or six home games, but already the uh, home um, stadium announcer is saying, who else? But Erlen Haaland, mm-hmm. he got the first two goals. A non-goal came third. Riyad Mahrez got the fourth from the penalty spot. Before Julian Alvarez got his first Champions League goal for the fifth. And with that, City pretty much into the knockout stages. Another win next week at Copenhagen. And they'll be sailing through um, the group stage, Joe. And a very comfortable night all round, it looks like. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to hold my hands up. And the second goal, I wasn't looking at the game. I was writing something. Um and I, I knew someone had scored and I didn't even have to look <laughs> to know who, who had got it because I knew it was Haaland because he's always there. Um, but yeah, he was he, he was just himself. He, he He's just so inevitable, isn't he? I think that's that's the main word. And I think what's striking me is that he's not scoring any particularly brilliant goals apart from the Busher Dortmund one, which was ridiculous. But he's just scoring good. one as well, to be fair. Yeah, potentially, but... He scored, what, 17 now? Mm-hmm. I'd say maybe 14 of them are just standard poacher striker goals. And the rest of like, it's just what you expect a striker to do. But the fact that he's always there, he's always on the end of the crosses, he's, that's the, the most sort of uh, impressive thing about him. Uh, I think it's a goal or assist every 43 minutes he's on the pitch. So that's, that, he's guaranteeing you two goals a game. It's... It's, I think that's what separates him from everyone else is he's so relentless, he's so ruthless. Um, and he showed that against Copenhagen. He didn't particularly 
get involved too much. There was a couple of shots that he did have. I thought the keeper was pretty good for Copenhagen mm-hmm. until he spilled that shot uh, to give Haaland his, his second goal. But yeah, it's I, I really don't know. And I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again. I don't know how you defend against him because he's always going to be there. He's always going to be following up or making that space. There was one incident where, oh, instance where he took the, uh, he took a cross right off of Riyad Mahrez's foot and turned and had a shot and forced the keeper into a save. Mahrez was fuming, but how can you argue when, when Haaland's doing it and he's he's firing it towards the top corner? It's uh, it's one of them games where I think Guardiola will have been very very happy with what he got out of. Out of Haaland, he got two goals, took him off at half time, gave him a rest. The game was won, um, and he probably didn't break into a sweat, Haaland, because he was just always there and probably had one of the easiest nights of his life. And his ridiculous Champions League form continues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was watching the highlights, having not seen the goals previously, and that Haaland one when you say when he took the ball off Mares, I was like, oh, here's the goal. <laughs> and then I think there was another yeah. one. I think it was a header, which um, it was quite far out, so the, um, it was quite easily gathered by the keeper. I, anyway, I agreed despite scoring because he five had a pretty good game. Mm. And like every time, I was like, oh, here's the goal. Then, and then every time it wasn't the yeah. goal, I was like, oh, oh, that's surprising. He didn't score because like I don't think, as I say, I think the keeper was equal to his chance. I don't think he could have done much more. It's like, oh, he could have had another hat trick within 20 minutes. It's, it's ridiculous. And as I said, if that one that he stole off Maris's toes had gone in, Jesus, what a goal! That because he absolutely rally pulled <laughs> it with his left foot. I do not know how the keeper got a got a hand to that, but it must have been an absolute palm stinger. And as you say, that second one, I think it, it, it summed him up almost better than any other goal. I think we said after that West Ham game, his trademark goal might be that. De Bruyne springs him away, he gets mm. through, pass to the far corner. But it, as you say, it seems like just the six-yard box now is his domain. And I think what was so telling for that goal is that Gomez, I believe it is, he has the kind of wicked shot and every other defender and even every other City player are on the way out. But Haaland's the one who's watching the ball, watching the shot. He's the one who checks his movement. He's the one who's on side. I expect Mavis might be offside in the build-up to that. Haaland is the one who kind of is go heading out the box and then immediately comes back in as the ball leaves Gomez's foot and he's there mm-hmm. to to sweep up it's, as you say it's just for defenders it must just be like they're living in a horror movie where the um the bad guy is just lurking around every corner <laughs> and if he's not you know the other in their in their point of view the other city bad guys are just there to take the you know take up the mantle if he's not because it's just ridiculous at this point what I was saying 17 and 11 like will he actually ever stop because I think as me and me and Alex discussed earlier this week it's not as if he's playing above himself it's not as if he's on a hot streak this is just normal this is standard this is like average it literally is average for his whole career the last three or four years he's pretty much averaged a goal a game so maybe you could say slightly above but it, it feels like pretty much the even keel not some sort of dramatic increase this is what city this is what city bought and he's delivering so what's gonna stop him no idea i think injury might be the only thing that, that does stop him uh, and the only time he's not scored in the league this season apart from the Community Shield where he, he wasn't fit um, is Bournemouth where he still managed to get an assist and City won 4-0 um, yeah we've said it before I don't I don't know how you stop him we, we spoke to the Copenhagen captain uh, in the mix zone after the game and he basically said anything we got here today was, was a bonus and when you've got a player like Haaland you know he's going to score and I think was it Jack Grealish had said to, that the keeper was saying something similar. Um, he must have that effect 
on on players. They must see his name and think, right, well, if we're going to get anything, we've got to score at least two. And doing that against City is, I mean, United scored three. I mean, <laughs> and they still managed to get absolutely one. battered. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he's he's taken City to another level. Um, and again, you saw um, against Copenhagen, the supporting cast arguably played a lot better. Jack Grealish, brilliant again. Um, Alvarez, Mark Thotmarez had a good game after uh, everything Guardiola said. And it's just the more you focus on Haaland, the more you give space to everyone else. Um, I think his first goal was good as well because it took a couple of deflections on the way. But again, he's always alert. He's just on his toes and he's he was ready to take that step back and and, and pass the ball in. And on that first goal, I'd, I'd spotted uh, Guardiola calling to Cancelo. He went, jow, jow. And he, he went like, sort of angled his, his, his hand into the box because just before Cancelo just passed it back instead of putting a cross in. Within about 10 seconds, Cancelo gets the ball, does exactly what Guardiola's just told him, drives forward towards the box, puts the cross in and City, City lead. And uh, it, it's that sort of insight that that uh, Guardiola must know. If you get in the box and put the ball in, Haaland's going to be there. And it, it created a goal instantly. And, and, and yeah, I, I'm going to get bored of myself saying I don't know how you stop him because it's you know he's going to be there. You know he's going to be on the end of crosses. And if he is on the end of crosses, he's probably going to score it. It almost seems bizarre at this point that, you know, just over a year ago, we were lamenting the fact that City didn't sign Harry Kane, their top target. It would have cost £50 more, twice the price. You know, 10 years is senior, near enough. And it's, um, well, maybe seven years, I'll be a bit bit more kinder to Harry. Mm -hmm. How, you know, a little thought exercise, how different would City have been now if it, if they didn't, if they had gone that route, if they had signed Kane and Haaland was free this summer, almost certainly to go to Real Madrid, probably. Like, what, what, what would the kind of complexion be of City right now? I'd imagine it'd be fairly similar. He's a, Kane is that kind of player who converts in the box, doesn't he? And uh, he, he does come a bit more deep, which might have helped uh, City a little bit more. We know that Guardiola's trying to get Haaland to do that. A bit more he wanted him to do that in the derby and when he did he got two assists to go with his hat trick um so I, I don't think City would have been worse off but what you get with Haaland is is those extra years and that extra promise and Kane is a very very good player and probably was is good enough to fit in City's squad quite well I don't think he'd have scored uh, 17 goals in 11 games or or whatever Haaland's on now but he would have scored a lot of goals and converted a lot of those chances, just being in those those areas. And that's what I'm saying about Haaland. He's he's not scoring goals that only he can score. And I think Harry Kane would probably have been in the same area to score a lot of the ones that Haaland has. But I think it's it's just Haaland's relentlessness to be in the box. Um, and the thing, the difference between him and Kane is probably that he spends the most of his time in the box, doesn't get involved in the build-up, but always is there. Um, so... It's the fact that City have waited a year, spent half as much or a third as much as they would have, would have spent on Kane, and have got what, what looks to be a better player. Uh, seems to be a very good uh, bit of business, and they'll be quite happy with the way things worked out. Oh, 100%. I mean, how he strikes me, how it's kind of like um, it's almost like a, a throwback to days of yore when when strikers mm-hmm. were strikers. They stuck within yeah. the width of the goal. They stuck within 30 yards of the goal. 
and they scored goals and they were happy to score goals. It's kind of been a trend, maybe kind of sparred by Messi, how he was the striker. He wasn't a striker. He did so much other than that. And, yeah, you know, Ronaldo was the quintessential striker when he went there. So, no disrespect there or anything. But, like, there's definitely been like a trend, as you mentioned there with Kane. Like, strikers wanted to be the number 10 rather than being the mm-hmm. number nine. Rooney took the 10 and he, as his career went on, went further and further back. He, he had the ability to do it and he still scored loads of goals. So it's no kind of disrespect towards him. It's likewise with Kane, still two brilliant strikers. But the two players who wanted to be in the game more, almost as if maybe they wanted to be more important to the play and weren't just satisfied with racking up the goals. Whereas Haaland is almost having to be told to do, you know, Pep mm-hmm. wants him to do more, get a little bit more involved. And he's almost having to go against himself to do it. And of course, he could do it really well. As we say, two assists, <clears throat> on Sunday, pardon me, but Haaland just seems to me like an absolute throwback, but <laughs> kind of combined with the most modern, uh, modern brilliant striker you could possibly want with all the attributes to suit the modern game. It's it's remarkable. And to me, the only thing that can really stop him breaking Alan Shearer's once thought to be unattainable record is if he isn't in England long enough to physically do it. There's been kind of a chatter already, worryingly about perhaps his future. I think, was it was it um, his father who said recently in an interview that he wants to spend a couple of years in every country, was it? And the mm. obvious kind of boogeyman hanging over all of this is Real Madrid. They are the team who, and probably Barcelona as well, they are the two teams who get the big players. They are, you know, the, the however much City will want to get there one day and however much United or Liverpool may say they are there. Madrid and Barcelona are the top of Football, really, especially Real Madrid, they are royalty. That's why, even when they've not been at their best in recent years, Barcelona especially, they still attract world-class players because of the prestige, the history and the pageantry, especially around Real Madrid. When we've seen them win the Champions League this summer, like there's such a you know, real prestige there. Is is Do you reckon there is kind of concern that eventually Haaland will... You know, just like Ronaldo did when he went to Real Madrid, you know, United were the best team in pretty much the world at the time, but Madrid still had the drawing power. Is that the only worry? Is that the only thing that's going to stop Haaland being the Premier League's record all-time goal scorer? Is that if he's just not here long enough to rack up the goals? Well, he's getting so many records at the moment. I've not mm. even thought about the main one, but um, I mean, yeah, the way he's going, he'll probably only take about 150 games to get there, won't he? Um, you, you never know. You, I think he's signed quite a, a long-term contract, hasn't he? I think City will be I think did City say that they expect him to, to fulfil that, and then whatever happens afterwards, he he might spend these five years at City and decide he loves it, and this is the team for for him. It could be to do with Guardiola. Is is Guardiola going to be here for the next five years? Probably not. Even if he does sign a new contract, um, so it could be how City are after that, how Real Madrid and as you say Barcelona sort themselves out in the next few years, um, but. I think City will be quite happy at the moment knowing that Haaland is theirs um, and he will be for the next five years. And whatever happens after that, they know that they're going to get a lot of goals and probably win a lot of trophies in that time. So I, mm-hmm. I doubt they're thinking too far ahead. Um, but he does seem to be a player who who is quite ambitious. He's moved quite a lot in his career already. He's done it in the Bundesliga. He's showing he's going to do it in the Premier League. You wouldn't put it past him and you wouldn't be good, Jim wanting to do it in, in Spain as well. Um, maybe go and retire in Italy and, and complete the next one. And I, I, I don't know, but um, I, I doubt City are worrying too much. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned Ronaldo. I've always thought of 
Cristiano Ronaldo is if you're going to build a player to score goals, you build him because he would he's just been relentless until he went back to United, of course. Um, but I think now Haaland is that sort of robot and sort of because he scores so often, he's just always there and he makes it look so easy. Um, yeah, City will should just enjoy him while I've got him and know that there's going to be another few years in him yet. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, enjoy the good times because they certainly are good. And you know, another thought size I want to kind of post here. And I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I switched. I wish I switched sides uh, this week and went over to the um the MEMG United podcast. And let me tell you, the mood over there was a lot more somber <laughs> after after Sunday's uh, game. But I did I did pose the kind of thought like. Remember back in January 2020, United did want Haaland and it was only kind of disagreements mm-hmm. um, with his with Mino Viola, his agent, and uh, you know, and not a liking to the terms that there was wanted, the, the release clause that was obviously in his Dortmund contract and sell-on fees and whatnot. That's what kind of made United pull out of getting Haaland then. And obviously, they had Solskjaer in charge then, who was kind of quintessential in his career. How different do you reckon the Premier League would look if he had gone to United back in January 2020? A time when United... We're actually getting a bit of momentum in furnace. Like it's 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 quite crazy to think about what could have happened, knowing his ability and what he's gone on to do in the years since. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think clearly he would have scored goals because, and I'd say probably United and Dortmund are relatively comparable in terms of they're not going to win the league, but they do have a lot of good players um, and like to attack. But then you look at Jaden Sancho, who was so good for Dortmund and. He struggled to replicate and, and reach the pressure and that that you get at United. Um, I think he will be quite glad as well that he made the decisions that he did. He probably had less pressure going to Dortmund because of their record for, for developing players. And it seems like he had an agreement that after two or three years, he'd be able to move. Um, and then I think with Haaland as well, we're seeing at City, you need players to supply him. Like Pep said, when he was asked to compare Haaland and Messi, Messi can do it on his own. Haaland needs a team around him. But City have that team. They have Kevin De Bruyne, who's got uh, eight assists in the league already. I'm not sure how many of those are for, for Haaland, but you, you guess most of them are because he's just, you've got a player like De Bruyne who can put a ball into the box and Haaland's always going to be there. And that's the sort of relationship. And then if De Bruyne's not doing it, it's Phil Foden or Bernardo or, or Jack Grealish. And you've you've always got chances created at City. Um, and United play a little bit more on the break. Um, so I would guess he's more than happy. I, I've not seen that documentary in, in Norway, but I, I believe United weren't even on his list when he, uh, when he decided he was leaving Dortmund. And you don't really see that as a surprise. It's not a, a sensible move for him at, at this stage after what he did at Dortmund. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he's seen what happened to his older sparring partner, James <laughs> Sancho, and seen doesn't want a bit of that. Definitely the right choice. But, you know, even though it's increasingly seeming like it wasn't just the Erling Haaland show, he only did get two of the five goals, or a measly um, percentage, that <laughs> is. But, uh, you know, a good performance from City. Not, you know, not the most testing opposition, of course, but it was quite, I find quite interesting Looking at the match, Joe, is that um, Guardiola seemed to kind of experiment with his formation a little bit? Um, I could target to you. Uh, I think your way for team sheet had it as four four two. I don't think it was quite that. It looks you, you say more of a four four one one with Alvarez buzzing around Haaland and then Bernardo going forward to make it more of an attacking quartet at times. But I think the 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 it's pretty clear it was kind of a midfield two and then 
kind of more attackers than he usually does for out and out attacking players. Um, obviously, he's a bit more leverage um, leverage to ex- um, experiment in these sort of matches against Leicester opposition. But I don't think we've ever seen that sort of formation from Guardiola from at least not recently anyway. And quite an interesting um, change and departure of his usual methods and what he's going for. I think we talked about a lot pre-season how Alvarez could, you know, he has come in, he's, he can play it wide, but he is a striker by trade and potentially mm-hmm. could make a partnership with Haaland. It's quite an interesting um, proposition to see City go to a more 4 formation. You know, they've gone from the all the intricate, all false nines, really good passing, getting in behind all this, building up play to... Big Sam-esque, get it up to the big lad, he'll put it in back at net. And now the next step of that, apparently, is to go to um, good old-fashioned four-four-two. or near enough. Um, how did City kind of do in that, in that new look kind of formation? Yeah, well, we saw the team and immediately Twitter was full of Mike Bassett references and, you know, back to basics. But it didn't quite turn out like that. It was sort of Bernardo and Gundogan sitting, but then Bernardo would spend most of his time on the left wing with Jack Grealish. Alvarez held himself back a little bit behind Haaland, a little bit like what um, what Kevin De Bruyne's been doing, sort of in support. Um, but obviously with City, you can have just Gundogan sitting and then you've got Jao Cancelo who can invert inside and Sergio Gomez did did the same thing at times as well. So it was very fluid. They, they played similar against uh, Nottingham Forest, which was the only other time Julian Alvarez has started. So it seems that if they are going to play Alvarez, especially alongside Haaland, it'll be in a central role and just get bodies around and try and create a fluid front four or five and then try and swarm the opposition. And uh, with no disrespect to Copenhagen or Forest, their defences probably allow you a little bit of freedom to do that. If you're playing a bit of a more organised side, it's probably a little bit more of a risk to leave your midfield so open. But as soon as City got that first goal, there was only going to be one winner in that game and I thought Alvarez did really well. Um, it was interesting, he, he had 45 minutes next to Haaland, did well, supported him, did all the running, especially the first goal, he made a run to the front post, sort of took a defender a step with him and that was the same time that Haaland stepped back and swept it in the net. So he's creating space and I think those runs can be quite useful. And then in the second half, it was Alvarez on, on his own up front, never stopped running, never stopped stretching that defence, got um, a goal that he deserved and a goal that City will expect him to score a lot of, which is six yards out converting from close range. Um, so I, th- I think Guardiola will be quite pleased with with Alvarez. He's clearly not on the same level as, as Haaland, but no one else in the world is at the moment. Uh, so it's it's going to be useful to have, and especially if if Haaland's going to start to be rested a bit more. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised to see him come off at half time, just because he's given he might have given him chances to score a hat trick. Um, but if you have someone like Alvarez who can do all the running in in those second halves or in the games where, say, City win this this group with a game or two to spare, then you would expect Haaland to get a rest and Alvarez to get a go. And uh, he's shown. I think he's got a goal every 88 minutes when he plays. So again, you've got Haaland getting a goal or assist every 45 minutes and, and Alvarez getting getting one every game. So it's, it's not a bad backup striker to have, really. Absolutely not. You know, City are certainly well-stocked in the fire department, uh, fire department, fire power <laughs> department this season. And, you know, the attack is just really on song. And I know two other players you thought played really well. Grealish, who's certainly coming into his own now, looks like he's really... 
obviously, as I said last week, after I criticised his performance against Dortmund, which <laughs> was bad, which was bad, but after that game, he really has taken it up a level, looks to really be finding his groove now. And and um, positively, Rian Mahrez came in for a good display after he's had, he's, he's had quite a poor start to the season, especially when you, when you think... He scored 20. He was City's top goal scorer last year with what 22, and Haaland is only five goals behind it already, <laughs> which is absolutely stupid to think about, and just shows the change City have seen this year already. But um, yeah, good to see Mares kind of getting back into the groove of things a little bit as well. Yeah, Pep was asked on Tuesday, "What does Mares have to do?" And he said, "Well, we know his quality. We know he's going to come back, but he needs to improve his physical condition," which was quite an interesting remark. It's it's not often that. Guardiola will say something like that. It's quite a challenge to Mahrez. Um, and then he got a start against Copenhagen, clearly in a, a much-changed side. But I thought he, did, he didn't put any foot wrong. He, he wasn't always involved, but he was marked quite closely. He made quite a lot of the right decisions. Um, got a goal from the penalty spot. Got a good assist for Alvarez in the second half. Um, and basically did, did his talking on the pitch, did the right things. Um, and lasted the full 90 minutes, which uh, Guardiola will be happy about after saying he's not necessarily completely fit. Um, but again, you, you can't look past Phil Foden on that right-hand side, the way he's been he's been playing recently and, and his relationship with Kevin De Bruyne. So I think Mara still has a bit of work to do to to play in the big games. But if he's going to react well to comments like that and and play his way back into form, then City are going to need him in these, in these few weeks. There's a lot of games coming up uh, and there'll be a lot of rotation. And yeah, as for Grealish, City scored... Five goals. He didn't score or assist any of them, but he got the man of the match because he he played that well. And it was him for the fifth goal for Alvarez's. Drove across the midfield, ran out of space, uh, into ran out of trouble into space. Perfect pass to Mares to to set him up. Um, and it wasn't Mares or Alvarez who who the fans were singing the name afterwards. It, it, it was Grealish, and for the whole game, he was just brilliant. I thought he's he picked up where he left off in in the derby. Um, I wrote a piece today and I think since that Dortmund game, he's scored one goal, but then he's been involved and played quite a key role in, I think, six of the next 12 or 13 goals City have scored. And he won't get any stats for that. He won't get assists or goals, but he's the one unpicking the defence and playing the right pass and 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 setting the tempo, really, that other players have done in the past. Um and that won't ever get noticed in the stats, but he's now playing a really key role for City. And I think he's the, on his current form, he's becoming undroppable on that left-hand side because he's, he's he's playing a tactical role that Guardiola really values. And we've seen similar in Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne and Gundogan. I think it's Grealish's turn to for, to finally click of what, what he needs to do, draw players in, when to pass, when to, to drive with it and, and dribble and... and and uh, take it to the, the next level. Um, and I think he said after the game, he's finally close to seeing the real Jack Grealish again, which is good. If he's full of confidence, then he's going to be hard to stop. And if he can add the odd goal or assist, then he'll get even more recognition. But um, the fact that he's playing so well and he's getting these man of the matches and the fans are appreciating it, and Guardiola clearly does this, it, it bodes well. And I think he's he's in the best, definitely the best form since, since he joined City. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. And I think we may have speculated about this in the past, but I think having Haaland has maybe benefited him more than anyone else. Because now, yeah. instead of 
when City were usually playing with the false nine, which he did do on occasion, it kind of really clogged up that that passage of the pitch just before the box, which is an area that Grealish does like to kind of come inside and get involved in. Mm-hmm. Now that there's a focal point in the box, which is taking defenders out of that space, taking City creative players out of that space, it's given him a lot more room to work in. It's given him a, someone to play off and... Also, I think the relationship he's developing with Bernardo Silva, similar to De Bruyne and Foden on the mm-hmm. other side, which I've praised previously, then them two seem to be developing, along with Cancelo and potentially now Gomez. They're developing a real partnership. It just seems like the changes of City have made have obviously benefited the team everywhere with Haaland's introduction. But it seems like Grealish is the player who's benefited the most individually from the change in shape. Absolutely. That's a good point about... Bernardo, we're focusing on De Bruyne and Foden on the other side, but yesterday that was really evident because it it was two of those on that left-hand side. The defenders mustn't have known where to look, where to go, who to mark, because they're all uh, just buzzing around and sometimes they'd go go to the byline and put a cross in, sometimes they'd cut back, sometimes they'd slip the other one in and, and suddenly they're in the box or um, a couple of times it was Grealish laying it back for Gomez to have a shot and Gomez had one shot that deflected twice and went in, and he had another one that the keeper saved, and Haaland pushed in, and, and both times it was Grealish just drawing the defender close, laying the ball off, and it, it, he's not going to get any stats for that, as I say, but he's playing key roles in goal goals, and uh, yeah, I, w- I would agree with you that uh, that relationship with Bernardo is, is a big part of that as well. <laughs> you there? Bloody, bloody muted, and I bloody, oh, <laughs> school by error, school by error, but you know, uh, one one player I do also want to kind of pay some attention to and and you know come in, deserves to come in for some praise is Sergio Gomez. Two assists on the match, um, assists where it was he kind of rocketed shots towards the goals and the rebounds went mm-hmm. in. So you, know, you can debate as to whether you count those as proper assists or not. But he certainly got a great one on the derby, um, setting up Haaland's hat trick with a lovely cross. He hasn't played the big matches as of yet, even when City have been short on fullback options. Pep's prefer to play Nathan Aki there. So it's hard to say, as we'll come on to shortly, if Walker's injury is going to give him much more game time, especially in big matches. But he certainly seems to be proving himself in the games where he does get opportunities now. He looks like he's fitting to the City system really well, like all the summer signings have. It's been a great summer. And I, I like the look of him, you know, still only young, um, but he really looks to have the the pace and the skills on the ball to really fit into this um, city. You know, what Guardiola wants from his fullbacks. I think as an attacking fullback, yeah, he, de- he definitely fits in. Um, he spoke to the media ahead of the Copenhagen game and uh, he said he wants to perform in training and in games to give Guardiola a difficult decision. Um, it might be an easier decision now, Walker's out, as you say, but the performances against Copenhagen and, and off the bench against United are definitely encouraging and he's, he's joining the attack at the right times. He's He didn't look to be caught out that often, but again, Copenhagen weren't particularly adventurous um, in attack and United obviously uh, were well beaten at the time. And I'm trying to just think as, as I'm speaking about the, the goal City conceded and whether they came from that, that left-back area, but certainly in terms of attack, he's fitting in. As, as you would want, you're, you're attacking left-back um, to fit in. He's he's showing signs that he can invert a little bit and he said that's a new role for him. He's he's only played left-back last year at Anderlecht after predominantly being a right uh, a, a right winger. 
Um, and now he's not just a, an attacking left back. He's being asked to come inside and help help the midfield at times. But he seems to be quite tactically aware and and able to do that role. Um, as you say, yeah, maybe the bigger games, maybe that's a time for someone more defensive minded and maybe more limited in attack, but more solid in defence. Maybe we'll see Ake at, at Liverpool, for example. Um, I'm thinking back to the game a couple of years ago at Anfield where Angelino started. And you can, I think Gomez is better than Angelino, but in terms of being better attacking than defensive, you can compare them a little bit. So maybe we'll see Ake um, against against Liverpool in, in some games, but um, I think he's another one, a bit like Manuel Akanji, for 14, 15 million. He's already proven to be a very useful signing. Um, he seems like he's going to fit in quite well. Um, and he's the, the Walker blow could, could have been really bad but it's it's going to be quite manageable now with with someone like Gomez and uh, looking at the fixtures ahead there's not too many difficult difficult tests coming up yeah we'll certainly get onto that bad news momentarily but before that um just to finish on the Copenhagen match um a return to the starting 11 for Merrick Laporte a clean sheet um Harry Lee on his return obviously a little bit rusty coming in on on the derby um when United mm-hmm. conceded I went sorry when City conceded some quite sloppy goals um, the, at the end there to Marshall's double, bit bit sloppy, turning off a little bit. Can't really blame him, but a little little bit rusty as he got back into the swing of things. But how, how was he on that Wednesday night? Um, I didn't particularly notice him, and I say that in a good way because, I mean, on, on the one hand, Copenhagen didn't offer much in attack. I don't think they had a, a single shot in the first half. Um, but he didn't do anything wrong, supported the attack. Him and Ruben Diaz were, were both recalled. I think Laporte was the one who won the penalty in the box for uh, for Mahrez to convert. Um, yeah, 90 minutes will be very, very useful. Um, I was quite interested to see this, the centre-back options because obviously he played Akanji and, and Ake in the derby and, and he said he did that because he wanted a right footer and a left footer, which would suggest Akanji is ahead of Diaz at the moment. Um but then he also said he was not too happy with the defending in the second half and he thought there's a bit of sloppy play and he was looking for who was sort of resting on the laurels after the derby and suddenly he's changed both centre-backs. So whether that's just rotation or whether we, we read any more into that, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see if Akanji and Ake come back against Southampton or does he pick and choose the best? He's He's got four, two good um, centre-backs with right foots, two good centre-backs with left foots. So he can he can rest and rotate them as he pleases in the coming weeks. And then John Stones has got to come back as well. Um, and as as we keep hinting, Kyle Walker's out now. So maybe we'll see, uh, maybe Laporte or Ake swap over to the left at times or or Stones on, on the right. So there's the, the a lot of options um, and Laporte coming back is definitely a bonus because he's clearly a classy defender and he gives City another option with that with that left foot. Yeah, definitely. So now, yeah, let's finally kind of move on to the <laughs> elephant in the room, to the only kind of bad thing about City's season so far, and that has been on the injury front. Calvin Phillips is already out till November, we believe, but he's unlikely to make the World Cup. Um, I mean, the squad's only a few weeks away now, isn't it? And another person there who is who is a doubt for this, not well, this, I nearly said this summer's then out of a habit. Hmm. This winter's tournament doesn't quite uh, sound the same. Um, is Kyle Walker. Um, he has suffered an injury in the Manchester Derby after he came on came off the bench for his return from another injury, um, sadly after making his kind of return to action during the international break. 
Um, I'm sure Guardiola is buzzing about that. But a statement from City reads, Kyle Walker has undergone surgery after suffering a groin injury to his left leg during the first half of our 6-3 win over Manchester United on Sunday. The surgery was successful and more detailed prognosis will be provided in due course. Everyone at Man City wishes Kyle a speedy recovery and I'm sure those thoughts echo um, to all the supporters because Walker is such a massive part of City's recent success, such a key component to Guardiola's team. And losing him for any amount of time is certainly certainly a big blow for the Blues. Yeah, and especially because they've only got uh, three fullbacks, but uh, City's strongest team is is Walker at right back and, and Cancelo on the left. So it's a key player out for a few weeks. And if, if he is a doubt for, for the World Cup, then uh, that would suggest that he's going to miss the majority of of City's games before that. Um, City aren't ruling him out, but they're also saying his availability for the World Cup will obviously depend on on how, how, how he recovers. And it's it's I think it's obviously a blow for City, but as we've discussed, they, they have the players to cover and they also have a fixture list that isn't too bad. Liverpool would you'd say is the only difficult one and they're probably going to go to Borussia Dortmund already through to the last sixteen. Um, of the Champions League, Chelsea in the in the Carabao Cup is is going to be a tough opponent, but it's also a League Cup game where there's going to be a lot of changes anyway. Um, so I I don't think it's as bad as it could have been for City. And if you're gonna if a player needs surgery, taking away the World Cup element of it now is probably the best time to do it. Which is probably why they've done the same with with Calvin Phillips as well. But now for England, it's it's a big blow. And he was telling us in the summer how he's he doesn't want anyone to take his World Cup place off him. Like he's not gonna let let that go without a fight. Um, so he must be really disappointed. But that also tells you that he's gonna be doing everything he can to to be ready. And we've heard so much about that right back debate and uh, the form of Trent Alexander Arnold and 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 the the centre backs as well would Walker play in a back three or on the right or or whatever. But um, no, it's. It seems like that's a, a really big blow, blow for England as well. Because even if he comes back, he's not probably going to have... It doesn't sound like he's going to have that many games to get fit um, for England. And, and Walker's uh, sometimes takes a little bit of time to, to get back fit if he's been out. So that, that'll that be um, interesting to see if he if he is back for the World Cup and if he is, how much he plays. And and if it, if it has any adverse effect, you don't want him to rush back for that and then uh, do anything that... That harms his his long term fitness, but you would you would think if they've if they've chosen to to do surgery now, it's it's with the long term in mind, um, and yeah, see what happens and, and wishing well, and you would expect City to to just about cope in the meantime. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm pretty confident with the way Gomez has kind of really stepped in and done well straight from the off with Ake and Laporte in the past, proving more than capable at left back with Stones, who's You've done even better there. You played really well there against Dortmund, I thought, at times. like I do believe the pretty well-covered City should be all right. But for England, it could be an absolute death now. Like as we discussed um, a couple of weeks ago um, in the international break, the morale, it seems, within the England camp is, is at the lowest it's been since Southgate took over. And Walker's been such a key part for Southgate. I mean, he's either been the right-back, pretty much the first choice, beating out competition from... Your Reese James's, your Trent Alexander Arnold's, even Trippier, who Southgate loves, has that has been moved to left back most times because Walker has the 
um, the kind of the, the dominance in that position. Or if it is a back three, it's Walker playing on the right of the back three, and he's done that really well over the years. And if he's out, I really fear for the the, the chances of England playing a back three because Stones should be all right. He's, he's he's a bit of a knock, but he's had a couple of knocks already this season. Mm. With the way England's looked going at the minute, I'd I'd be quite you know quite concerned that the looks turning against them and Stones may end up getting they've, like if they lose Stones as well as Walker then they're really looking at trouble because as we say the squad should I believe the squad's announced in October at some point at least provisionally they could take a 26 man mm-hmm. squad is it you 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 informed me last time I presume yeah I think that's name, confirmed a week before mm, so I presume he'll name a larger squad at first a larger provisional one with the injured players in in the hope mm-hmm. that they can make it but I don't know before the deadline that the squads need to be confirmed but it's not as if in a usual summer tournament when you'd have a period of a couple of friendlies first to get everyone up to get it's not like that this time around it's pretty much name the squad and straight in so even if they are in a provisional squad it's not as if they've got a chance to prove the fitness if they're not playing which it doesn't like they're going to be playing in October at the very least it's going to be hard for Southgate to pick him in when he names his full-time squad, you'd imagine. I'm, I'm sure he'll take the risk if they're fit enough to play. I'm pretty sure he'll take the risk, talking about Phillips as well, he'll take the risk of taking them even without them playing, even if City are happy with it. But they'll have a little say in the matter. I, I, I presume he'll take him regardless because he's that important. But if he can't make it, if, it, if he wants to do a back three, it's looking really kind of worrying. You know, you've got more, Harry Maguire, who's done all right for England most of the time, never let them down, but his club form kind of started to seep through to his country form um, against Germany. It, you're looking at him, maybe Eric Dyer, who started the season well, but, you know, not the most consistent of players. And then then you're low, looking low on options. Tomorrow, he doesn't like he's going to get in. Maybe you put Luke Shaw at left back, you know, do the walker roll on the opposite side. Hopefully, Stones is fit and he can make it. But, you know, City's England players, you know, Someone wrapped Jack Grealish up in bubble wrap and uh, <laughs> Phil Foden because it looks like they're all getting struck down. And I think England's back three has, has been successful because of Walker, because mm. he's developed that sort of positional awareness under Guardiola and he's experienced, he's got the pace to basically make up for a mistake if, if Stones or Maguire lose the ball. He knows the, the formation, so does Stones. If both of those are out, then it it's looking like experienced and out of form as well uh, sorry inexperienced I, I think it that's why I'm saying it'll be a, a bigger blow for England rather than than City because City have the players to cope and they've got a system where everyone knows it England if they're going to be successful in this tournament need their experienced players and need players who know the system and it looks like Walker is a doubt and Stones Guardiola said he's probably he might be back next week but it was a hamstring injury you never know um yeah, I'm, I think Southgate will probably be a, a bit worried with uh, what he's seen with, with terms of injuries. And we're getting to the point now where any further injuries is probably going to rule you out of the World Cup. So maybe that's why they did the surgery now, as I say, to to just give him any chance um, of, of coming back and, and playing there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't expect many crunching tackles to go flying in in the next few weeks of the Premier League because none of the players, apart from Ellen Harlan, it's going to be open season, Harlan, because he's the only one. You know, he'll, he'll be flying in left, right and centre because he's the only one who um, isn't going anyway. But everyone else will definitely be kind of cautious about losing their World Cup um, this winter. And as we say, um, we you know wish Walker, Phillips and every injured player the quickest of recoveries. But moving on, 
as you said, Joe, a quite a rather comfortable run of fixtures in the Premier League for City coming up. And that starts with Southampton on the weekend on Saturday. Um, Saints are down his 16th place at the minute, just seven points on the board. They've lost four of the last five games. Ralph Hasenhutl coming under a bit of pressure now, spent a lot of money in the summer. Um, not quite clicking just yet, and a lot of young players, as as we well know. Um, the recent defeats have come um, against Everton, Villa and Wolves, so teams themselves who aren't in the best of forms either. Funnily enough, their last victory actually came well, back in August now, but uh, came against Chelsea, so they've got um, a bit of a, a bit of credentials of beating tough opposition. But um, an interesting match, you know, you'd expect City to win this one pretty comfortably, but interesting the fact that there's going to be a lot of reunions um, Gavin Bazunu, I presume Romeo Lavia is still injured, unfortunately, but Sam Adorzi and Juan Larios in that team as well. Bazunu, the most um, uh, regular starter in that team. So it's going to be interesting to see how all the uh, City expats and little uh, the departing youngsters will do coming back up against the, the daddy club. Yeah, and to be fair, Southampton have been one of the teams who've given City more problems than, than most in recent years. The there's a couple of results at St Mary's that haven't gone City's way. I think, they, was it last season they drew at the Etihad or, or the year before? Um, traditionally, they've they've been very solid, but they also seem to be quite a younger side this year. And that might be showing in, in some of the results. And uh, as, as good a talent as Juan Larios is, if he starts at left-back against Phil Foden and Kevin De Bruyne on that side, you, you don't hold much hope out for him. Um, there's, there's a reason City sold these players, which is, yes, they're talented and they got a lot of money for them, but the money was worth more than keeping them in because they weren't going to get in, into the squad. Um, I think uh, Lavi was probably the closest of the lot. Um, obviously, it's unfortunate that he's injured. Um, and now looking, I think you asked me the other week with, with the injuries to, to Rodri, would, would it... Would it have been better to keep him? But um, clearly, it's, it's it's a bonus that that Rodri is back and he was back on the bench uh, this week. I, th- I think Lavia, uh, sorry, Lavia could be the uh, one of the ones who probably does does better there. Bazunu is seems to have won the race to to be the number one um, at Southampton and and should do well by getting a run of games. It, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they do, and I bet they they have a point to prove against City, Adozi as well always seems to be behind the likes of Cole Palmer and, and McAtee in, in terms of getting first team action um, so he he, he could uh, be an option for them potentially off the bench, I don't know, I don't, I don't think he's been starting, um, maybe a bit of trickery gives City's uh, defence something, something to think about, especially against say Sergio Gomez, if he's uh, testing out defensively if he's got someone running at him um, but no you would expect City the form they're in and the form Southampton are in to win that fairly comfortably and if they can if they can have a similar game to Copenhagen where they get a few early goals rest the rest, rest the number of players afterwards um, they'll be quite happy because then they've got um, a trip to Copenhagen where they'll be looking to qualify for the last 16 in the Champions League and then it's it's Liverpool away isn't it so I would imagine the game plan will be get it won get it won quickly and, and rest players yeah, absolutely. It's, um, well, we, we presume it'll be a comfortable win for City. Can I get a prediction from you on the scores? Uh, the way it's going, I'd, I'd say 4 0. Mm-hmm. It's getting hard. It's, it's well, I'm going to say 2 1, 3 1, whatever. But when you're dealing with Haaland, you've got to go, will it be 5 or 6? I'm going to well, go. Haaland's going to score 2, so it's then how many the score after that. I mean, if so. Alvarez comes on, he's going to score. It's like, it's, yeah, what yeah. can you do? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go 5 0. Um, Paul Gavin 
Um, he's a he's going to be a, he's a he's a really good goalkeeper, but um, I don't think it matters how good a goalkeeper you are when Erlen Haaland's bearing down you these days, does it? But you know, we'll be here next week, no doubt, to talk all over that game and dissect it, pick apart all the no doubt, try and waffle on about how good Haaland is for twenty minutes and think of something else to say. <laughs> and we are really struggling on that front. So if you've got any suggestions, they are more than welcome. Oh, if if you're just bored of us talking about Haaland at this point. Let us know when we'll stop. We'll just go. He scored again, you know, moving on to something interesting. It is interesting what we're saying. It's amazing to watch and it's going to be amazing to talk about um, going forward. Of course, we will be back next week to talk about the Southampton game. But for now, thank you very much for listening. You can, of course, follow um, all the coverage of Saturday's match and the build-up and the aftermath over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City and we'll be tweeting all our articles out over on at Man City MEN and posting them on Facebook at uh, Manchester Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City. Joe will be tweeting his articles out on at underscore Joe Bray. Belton. And I probably won't be tweeting my articles out. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll treat you. I don't know. But either way, it'll be at Dan Murphy MEN. So thank you everyone very much for listening today go and get all those pages followed see up to date with all the latest city news and as i said we'll be back next week but until then it's goodbye for now so ta-ra.